0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I'm your host, Bob, hanging out talking my favorite hometown, Cleveland sports, with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on? Welcome back.
1: Thanks, Bob. I had a fun time out in California. I uh, had a great time watching the Super Bowl, and uh, not, not, I didn't have a great time on the airplane, uh, nine-hour travel days, but that's about, that's about the only thing I didn't enjoy about my travels. But I don't think I'm alone there i don't think a lot of people like flying
0: no i don't think uh the event of flying is enjoyable getting to the airport getting out of the airport
1: it's funny because i mean i know i know a couple comedians have made this joke but but we should be we should be excited to fly i mean we're in the sky you go across an entire continent in a day but I feel like just just airlines and, and the air process makes it so unenjoyable. It's just all this waiting security. Can you bring your bag on the plane or not and cramped seats? So, uh, yeah, it, sh- it should be a lot more enjoyable, wouldn't you think? I mean, just, yeah, it's magic, man. Well,
0: you know, I don't really like being treated like a piece of meat or a sardine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's if certainly I, true. If it were a private jet, I would probably be more excited to go up in the air for four hours but yeah uh, when you're riding coach no no dice on that um we hate to do this to our listeners but uh chris was did some traveling last week and i will be gone for about 12 days coming up so we are gonna skip another week next week uh i wanted to get you this episode uh so we didn't miss too much time but we will be taking next week off uh so expect uh our next episode to come out uh, around the week of the 26th of february so sorry to do that to you you know we we chris and i at one point uh two and a half years of straight episodes uh n- never missing one is that right
1: yeah i think the first one we missed was when you got married man it was it was about two and a half years we we were we were pretty strong iron men there for a while yeah. i think o- over 100 straight episodes
0: so don't, don't say we don't get your content, <laughs> um, but we, we are taking another week off. Sorry for the uh, consecutive bi-weekly episodes that, that were given to you. But, uh, Chris, we, we did take a week off. That means we have a lot to talk about, uh, so let's dive in and let's talk about the most recent uh, blockbuster news coming from Cleveland, and that is the Cavaliers blowing up the roster on at, at Wednesday's trade deadline, uh, moving Six players out of Cleveland, bringing in four: George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., and Rodney Hood. Uh, getting just about everybody that was rumored to be available. Uh, they're all heading towards Cleveland. Chris, just generally, you know, what what are your thoughts on, on this trade deadline? Uh, do these moves excite you?
1: Yes, it does. The, the moves overall excite me. Um, now, I, I was I was not in the camp of the Cavs getting a superstar. Not that I didn't really want them to. I just didn't think it was gonna happen. Um, especially when DeMarcus Cousins went down and when and when honestly New Orleans was playing well enough that they weren't gonna trade DeMarcus Cousins. Um that was really the only name I could I could buy into maybe the Cavs getting uh to to make this huge headline. But the Cavs certainly managed to make huge headlines by, by just completely overhauling their roster. This reminds me, Bob, of the moves they made 10 years ago to bring in Ben Wallace and Delonte West and Joe Smith and uh, Wally Zerbiak. Um, it, it, they, they overhauled their roster in like a 12-player thing. Uh, that, that, that yeah. really just kind of set the tone for the rest of the year, shored up a lot of their weaknesses. And honestly, Bob, I thought they were the second-best team that year. They gave Boston all they could handle. They were the only team to really push Boston. I think if they won that series, they may have won the championship. So hopefully similar results, not with the playoff exit, but that this team kind of comes together and and, and breathes some new life uh, in, yeah. into the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I that immediately reminded me of that uh, trade as well, um, you know, blowing up the roster. I mean, they got rid of al- almost half of their players uh, and some key contributors as well. Um, but the players that they're getting back are probably, on average, five years younger than Joe Smith, Wally Zerbiak, Ben Wallace, and, and Delonte West, uh, which is what most excites me uh, about who they brought in. Uh, all four of these guys fill, fill a need, a glaring need, uh, that the Cavs had. They're all athletic. George Hill is the oldest at 31, uh, and they're, they're all under control for, for they could be back next year and, and well into the future. It sets the Cavs up, not just for this year, but, but for a couple years to come, should they want to keep this core intact? So that, that was a really exciting, uh, you know, I, I get the comparison, but when you dive into some of the differences, uh, this trade excites me a lot more. I, I think the Cavs are in a much healthier place uh, than they were at the start of this week. Um, Chris, not you know, uh, six players out, including two guys that were on that championship roster: Mont Shumpert, Channing Fry, Dwayne Wade traded to Miami, uh, received LeBron and Wade's blessing to do so. Um, who are you saddest to see? shipped out of Cleveland?
1: Channing Fry, uh, because I think that he was the one guy who really kept the locker room together in 2016. He, when he arrived, you know, he didn't make a huge impact on the court. Not saying he didn't have some big games, because he definitely did. But it was in the locker room, breaking down some of the barriers and getting people, you know, just building more relationships and, and, and everywhere he's gone. He's been described as this relationship builder glue guy He is the one that I'm really sad to see go because I think that the Cavs locker room needed him more than ever um, You know with all the things that are gone wrong now that being said a lot of the problems uh, or rumor problems have been shipped out uh, the only other guy I would I would kind of shed a sympathy tear for is Dwayne Wade because he and LeBron have such a special relationship, and Dwayne Wade was playing very well with that second unit. So, but but Channing Fry was the guy. I'm like, oh man, we got rid of him. But then when you see to get rid of him, you also got rid of you know Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder who were pretty big busts in that Boston trade. Um, you know, it, it's worth the price.
0: Yeah, I, I'm bummed most about Channing Fry as well for just about all the reasons you said. Also, you know, they Kevin Love is is hurt, and we'll talk about that in a second. Fry is that stretch big man, the insurance policy for Love, uh, and so now they don't have that. They also shipped out Jay Crowder, so they're not gonna they don't have that long distance three from from the five position that they had about two weeks ago or or just a, a week ago. Um, but yeah, he 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 was. Definitely a great personality, and and, um, was a great story in 2016. So I I will certainly miss him. Um, I felt like Jay Crowder was coming around. I I felt like if he were still on this roster heading into the postseason, he would have found his place, especially with the minutes vacated by by Love being out. Um, I I think that I don't think he was a lost cause. I, I do think that Isaiah Thomas was a lost cause, which, which I'm still trying to wrap my head around that thought that it in less than in a month and a week worth of playing for the Cavs, Isaiah Thomas showed that he, he wasn't the star that he was last year and that he was just a, a, a poor influence in the locker room. It, It was toxic when, when he hit the court, just the drama that was coming out. And to see the Cavs play with a skeleton roster uh, just the other night against the Atlanta Hawks and, and play well and play as a team, um, it, it, it it's shocking to me how quickly Isaiah Thomas uh, fell from grace in Cleveland. Um, and, and I think the Cavs are better off on the court with the moves they made and also in the locker room by, by, by getting Isaiah Thomas uh, out of that locker room.
1: No, I definitely agree there. And and you talk about a guy whose star has fallen dramatically. I mean, at this time last year, there were Dark Horse MVP chance. He was being hailed as a team first guy, a guy who is willing to do whatever is necessary to get his team to win. And now, I mean, he has been traded twice in the last year. The first time, you can understand. I mean, they had a chance to get Kyrie Irving. But this is obviously not something Isaiah Thomas wanted on his resume going into a big free agent year. Um Yeah, I I I don't know what happened there. I thought Isaiah Thomas would be a great fit. He I thought he would bring the right mindset. I actually thought he'd help the culture, but uh, but apparently he was part he was the big part of the problem and, you know, don't underestimate this addition by subtraction. You know, on paper, it doesn't look like the Cavs have big superstars. But I do think that they've got a lot of young pieces now that can just, just add to some of the versatility. Like the, the versatility Jeff Green brings, um, George Hill, and Rodney Hood are two big big guards who can switch multiple positions and play very strong defense. So, so they have gotten better in other areas, even though some, of, some people outside of Cleveland are looking at this trade like, wait a second, they, they got rid of a lot of star power. It wasn't working. It wasn't working. I don't care how the rosters look on paper. Um, you know, the, 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 the previous incarnation of this team was just not working. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I get that. The, the, the Cavs are, are
0: no longer operating under the big three model. They tried to keep that up with Isaiah Thomas bringing him in, but he was not uh, a, the third star that Kyrie Irving was uh, to Kevin Love and LeBron James. They need, they need a team. And as they were constructed a week ago, the Cavs needed to score about 140 points a game to win. <laughs> and that is not sustainable. Uh, they got guys that can score, that can produce with the ball in their hands, but they got four guys that can defend. And as you said, are are long enough to switch to multiple positions, all four of them, you know, George Hill and Jordan Clarkson can can play one or two. Uh, Rodney Hood is a six foot seven shooting guard. Uh, that gives him length to, to guard multiple wing positions. Larry Nance Jr. can, can guard the three to the five. So they, they, they got four guys that not only can contribute offensively, but can shore up glaring holes uh, on the defensive end. So I I, I I love the moves. I'm shocked that they were able to get all four of these guys in at the price of one first-round draft pick, the Cavs draft pick of this year, and, and a bunch of guys that, um, you know, More so for some and less so for others, but collectively those six they they were dead weight and they were not pulling They were not contributing, uh living up to the expectations, uh that 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 we thought that they would have, uh at the start of the season So i'm happy for for this trade Uh, I, I i'm excited to see what what these guys bring to the table of those four that are coming to cleveland chris Who are you most excited to see play? uh with the Cavs?
1: I mean, this is an emotional one, but I think it's going to be really cool when Larry Nance Jr. takes the floor. Um, You know, he may not be, quote-unquote, the best player in this bunch, but I just think it's cool that uh, the son of a franchise icon, Larry Nance, is going to come and suit up for the same team his dad did. So, so I am actually excited for when he checks in for the first time, or starts, or however they use him, uh, when he takes the floor for the Cavs. I think that'll be a pretty cool moment to see uh, the son of a Cavs. One of you know, he Larry Nance was one of the faces of those Cavs in the early 90s that were tormented by Michael Jordan. Really, the only team other than the LeBron James era, to have sustained success for this franchise. With all due respect to Austin Carr and Campy Russell, you know, they, they, they had a couple of shining moments, but but that was the only really sustained run of playoff success that Cleveland has had prior to LeBron James. And so it'll be really cool to see uh, Larry Nance's son take the floor for the Cavs.
0: Yeah, I mean, Larry Nance's jersey is hanging in the rafters, so that, that'll be awesome to, to see Junior uh, take the court and I'm excited to, to see Larry Nance, what he can bring to the table. Um, I've, from what I've read and some, some, uh, news clips that I've watched, uh, everyone just kind of comes back to how athletic and much of a grinder Larry Nance is. I think that he will thrive playing against, uh, playing with, uh, an up-tempo team. The Cavs are in the top three in tempo, uh, and, you know, with, a spaced out team led by LeBron. I, I, I'm excited to see what he can do. But, Chris, the, the guy that I think will contribute the most is Rodney Hood. Uh, six foot seven, can guard all wing positions, is a dead eye three shooter, can, can handle the ball, is a natural shooting guard. Uh, the Cavs have not had, I know at times JR Smith has filled that role perfectly, uh, but he's way too streaky. And, and Rodney Hood at age 25, with his length and his commitment to playing good defense and, and handling the ball, uh, averaging 16 points a game this season. And he's a restricted free agent, so the Cavs can bring him in long-term uh, if they like what they see. Uh, I, I'm really excited to, to see what he can do uh, playing uh, in this offense and, and contributing defensively. Um, I was shocked that they were able to get all four of these guys, again, just – giving up very little long-term assets uh yeah i I, I'm, i'm stoked
1: yeah let's just talk about that element of this for for one minute you know before this trade there was a lot of uncertainty with some significant unrestricted free agents bob the only two unrestricted free agents they have not counting lebron is jeff green and jose calderon rodney hood is a restricted free agent so that means essentially if the Cavs want him back he'll be back of these guys they traded for, the only other guy who's going to be up for free agency in 2019 is Larry Nance Jr., a restricted free agent. And then the other two members of this trade will be unrestricted free agents in 2020. So now, if, and I'm I'm capitalizing that if here because I still don't think LeBron's leaving, but if he does, you've got four young players under team control basically through 2020 to pair with Kevin Love and an unprotected Brooklyn pick who as of this recording had our seventh worst in the NBA. That is going to be a primo pick if Brooklyn continues doing what it does best. You pair, you hit on that pick, you have these young guys, whether or not LeBron comes back, the cash future looks pretty solid now and some of that uncertainty has been wiped away with these very strong moves big a plus for colby altman who performed masterfully at the trade deadline i think that for him to get all of these players without giving up that brooklyn pick it was basically a stroke of genius he did a fantastic job and the best he possibly could absent moving the world for some superstar.
0: Yeah, definite, definite kudos to him. Um, all four of these guys are, are desirable players and, and contributors. You know, Clarkson is one of the best bench scorers in the league. George Hill uh, is, is a former Spur uh, and, and is a great defender uh, at the point guard position. The, the two other guys that we, we didn't talk about that I'm also excited to see play. Um, so it, it is really surprising to me. I, I get the, the Lakers trade it was a cap space move for the Lakers and they picked up a first round pick from the Cavs. Um, But George Hill and Ronnie Hood, they could contribute on any playoff team and fit right in. Um, I'm surprised that it was just a a reshuffling of, of players that, that landed Hill and Hood in Cleveland with no real assets other than that Miami second round pick that they gave uh, that they got from the, the Dwayne Wade trade. So yeah, definite kudos to Kobe Outman. I think, uh you know they have been in contact about george hill for about a month now and i think that you know they they waited the king's out and, and brought that asking price down um it, it, I, I yeah I, I think it was a great move
1: um Never underestimate the power of a team wanting to shed a contract. George Hill is getting paid $20 million. this Well, excuse me, no, $19 million this year and is due $18 million next year. So I think that had a lot to do with it.
0: That's a very good point. Um, but, well, it's the Kings that we're talking about. So I can't, <laughs> true I too. cannot <laughs> rationalize anything that they do. Um, Kobe Altman was on uh, the broadcast with the Hawks uh, talking to Fred McLeod and, and Austin Carr, and, and he – he was speaking really candid about these trades and he said that the brooklyn pick you know it, it was available it but it was available only for the right guy and he he said that they were only looking at guys on their rookie contracts or or stars that were in their uh first or second contract and they weren't going to make a move for somebody that was an unrestricted free agent this season or it was just a rental uh make a move with that brooklyn pick so um, he He was candid about the requirements for moving it um but I, I think that to add these four and keep that brooklyn pick uh yeah I, I agree chris it's a a plus uh in my grade book as well
1: and let's also not forget Kyle corver's under contract through 2020 he's an unrestricted free agent in 2020 so that that's another guy I think's going to benefit big from this trade because you know love or hate Isaiah Thomas he was a big scorer. They they do need to solve who's going to be LeBron James's second options. I think they have some good guys who can step up and fill the void. Kyle Korver is certainly one of them. And especially with Kevin Love down too. Someone's going to have to step up and, and shoulder the scoring brunt from LeBron. I think that's the biggest question remaining going forward um, uh, under this new roster time will tell you you've certainly we've I, I think some of the people in the trade could do it but but I'm looking to Kyle Korver he he is the seasoned vet and he has shown that he can be that kind of a scorer before so I think he's going to benefit big from this trade
0: yeah dropped over 20 points against the Hawks uh after that trade so good sign of good things uh, to come um, Chris, the, the Lakers, though you know th- they made this move to free up the potential to to have two max deals. Are you concerned that the Cavs are fulfilling their own uh, signing their own death warrant uh, by, by giving the Lakers that that second max slot uh, that could potentially land LeBron James?
1: No, because as long as Lavar Ball is involved with the Lakers, I'd be stunned if LeBron James <laughs> signed there. And that's just the bottom line. I don't think LeBron i i lonzo and lebron are, are cool it seems i don't think lebron likes his dad that much after what has been said about lebron james's family so uh i i would be pretty stunned if he chose the lakers
0: yeah um it it would hurt to know that the Cavs helped facilitate the move but if the Cavs weren't going to make this deal and jordan clarkson larry nance jr were on the table another team would have made that deal and the Lakers would have found a way to get that second max slot. So good on the Cavs for making, taking advantage of the Lakers need to, to get that cap space open. So um, it it will sting if that does happen, but I don't, I agree with you. Um, I think if James leaves, the Lakers are not the most likely destination for him. I just don't see him, I really don't see him going out West, but, um, you know, that's a discussion for the summertime that we'll talk about ad nauseum. Uh, Chris, let's talk about the rest of the trade deadline, which, you know, Wednesday was calves and only calves there. Were a couple guys that got shuffled around, nothing really big to speak of, but Blake Griffin did get moved, uh, about a week prior to that trade deadline going from the Clippers to the Pistons for, uh, a couple draft picks, Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley as well. Um, how surprised are you that Griffin and not DeAndre Jordan was traded out from L.A.?
1: Well, well, first and foremost, the, there were reports that DeAndre Jordan was dangerously close to becoming a Cleveland Cavalier. So so that trade did almost happen. Um, but, yeah, I was pretty stunned that Blake Griffin got traded um you know, he he obviously a superstar, big draw in the Clippers. It signals the the end of of whatever era they had. I mean, first they trade Chris Paul, now they trade Blake Griffin. Lob City is basically gone. Uh, they're re- in rebuilding mode now. Um, I, at first, I was disappointed because I wanted the Cavs to try to maybe swing Avery Bradley, even though I didn't think Detroit would trade it to a sort of division or conference rival. But um, it'll be interesting to see how. I, I mean, because him and Andre Drummond. That is going to be an interesting front court uh, because I just want to see this floor spacing issues that Detroit's going to work through uh, with those two guys. Um, well, it's no I,
0: no different I, I, than playing with DeAndre, right?
1: No, no, yeah, exactly. It's no different, and so I, I, I think the kind of the, the same problems the Clippers had with those two on the floor are, are going to persist. Um, but but we'll see. I mean, Stan Van Gundy, I think, is a very good coach. I think Detroit. For a couple years now, it's been a pretty good young team. Maybe Blake Griffin can inject some life into them. And it is the East. I think they'll be a playoff team, but I don't think that they're much of a threat to the Cavs.
0: Yeah, I I was shocked that the Pistons went all in on Blake, but um, you know they they certainly Blake Griffin when he's healthy and as shown in the few games that he's played with the Pistons, you know he's he is a star and and can lead these Pistons to the postseason. Um, Andre Drummond, I would say. Hand, head and shoulder better than deandre jordan is, is just a better offensive player can actually can, can pass and, and and can can post up on, on defend on defenders and also is just you know probably the best rebounder in the game if not you know top three rebounders in, in the game so I, I think that that is a better front court mate for blake griffin uh you're asking reggie jackson to basically be chris paul though i'm not sure if that uh if if you can ask any point guard to do that, but um, Blake Griffin certainly in the East can get them into the postseason. They're at ninth right now. Um, and, and who knows, maybe the, this will be a building block for them. But yeah, I was bummed that Avery Bradley uh, ended up in LA. I thought that he was still available, you know, even after that trade, he might get traded a second time, but um, the, the Cavs made do with uh, so, some alternative options uh guys that I think are just as good at the shooting guard position.
1: Yeah, initially disappointed but after what uh colby Altman did during the deadline uh that disappointment faded fast I think. I think what the Cavs did was uh was plenty good.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh going back uh a couple weeks now Kevin Love injuring his hand uh with a broken hand, he's going to miss six to eight weeks Um, we're already a a week and a half into that time frame so uh, it looks like he's projected back mid-march late march Uh, Chris this is I believe the fourth hand injury in in Kevin Love's career Um, how disappointing is it that you know this this was you know at the lowest of lows when when Love broke his hand for the Cavs Um, how bummed are you that he's going to miss that extended time
1: uh, very disappointed, and uh, we talked about this earlier with the Cavs cha- trading Channing Fry. That's a big question around this team, is who is going to step up in the front court and fill that void. Um, I-, I think uh, Ty is going to have to get a little creative, because I-, I don't think that they have a true power forward. I, I know Larry Nance can play it, but he's not going to do what Kevin Love does, you know what I mean? I- I- they- their Their skill sets are not compatible. So, so they do lose out on a stretch four uh, because they traded one away and now they have one at least sidelined until April. Hopefully, uh, he'll get back before the playoffs. Uh, but but point being, I, I, I this is a huge hole to fill because Kevin Love was the second best player on this team skill-wise and and they will need him healthy if they're going to seriously challenge for the NBA title. I think they can get out of the East without him. But if we're talking winning at all, they need Kevin Love uh because they they just need that kind of talent on the floor, and, and they don't have a guy on this roster who can do what he does. Channing Frye was that guy. They had to trade him to bring in the guys to get overall better. So so yeah, that's the biggest question for me: is Will Kevin Love get healthy in time for the playoffs? And and until then, you know, what's this team going to look like? Uh, because if if they can answer the question and, and he has a setback, then maybe it'll make the playoffs a little more manageable. But that that is the most immediate problem for the Cavs right now.
0: Yeah, you know the Cavs do have the the greatest stretch for in the entire NBA, and it's it's LeBron James. But he uh, is hesitant to move into that role full time. I think if if the Cavs are going to go all in, that's what a lineup an ideal lineup would look like for me is is LeBron at the four, uh, and, and probably Smith and Hood at the two and three. Um, we'll see if there's buy-in on that or if, if Tyloo wants something different, but otherwise you're playing, you know, Larry, you could slot in Jeff green, I guess at the four. Um, but that James, James and green are, are the only guys that can play the four, uh, or five and, and neither of them can play the five really, uh, that can shoot the three. So yeah, there, there's a need with fry and love out with fry gone and, and love out. Um, Kevin love broke his non-dominant hand, his left hand doesn't require surgery, I believe. So, um, you know, that those are all good things. Like he could come back if needed and still be working through that injury. I, I don't think that's advisable. I think there's time, uh, for him to come back fully healthy, you know, mid March to late March return t- timetable. Um, Cavs are, are going to make the playoffs with, with love on the sideline that that's no question about that um, but yeah you're exactly right they need him healthy to navigate through the postseason and, and by all indications he will be so you know this is the second straight year where uh, he made the all-star game and and right around the all-star break he he's out with the injury the Cavs have navigated uh, both regular season and postseason without him and have done uh, amazingly well so I, I'm not too concerned I am bummed that uh, you know there's going to be an adjustment period with these four new acquisitions, and there's going to be another readjustment period with Love. Um, the Cavs have gone through about four or five different phases this season, uh, but but they'll be fine. They'll be fine without him. They'll be fine once he comes back. I'm not too worried about it.
1: The Cavs are like the polar opposite of the Warriors. The Warriors just do the same thing all year, and the Cavs adjust like – five six times during a given season it's pretty amazing how they're they're able to do this and still have the success they have that's the power of lebron one thing we did not talk about though bob is that this trade opened up two roster spots for the cavaliers to be players during the buyout phase of the nba season and that could be a potential solution to at least find a a a someone to fill the void uh while Kevin Love recovers I I don't know if a a guy who has comparable skill set will come available uh, because those are obviously very hard to find stretch fours but if one does the Cavs certainly would be an attractive option for a playing time and B the chance to win a championship so those two open roster spots are are very uh another plus to these moves
0: yeah it will be interesting um most teams tend to hang on to that commodity but um, it certainly could open up. I think the Cavs, you know, if a guy like that is on the table, the Cavs would w- would jump at the chance to uh, to to grab him. So, yeah, Uh Cavs have always been players in the buyout market, and this will be no different. Hopefully, this season's buyout candidate will last a little bit longer than last season's, in <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew Bogut. Um, yeah. But we will we will see that that will uh, form take uh, shape in the coming weeks and we'll, and we'll keep you updated with that um and by the time we have our next episode we'll have a good a good little taste of, of what this new look Cavs roster can do and hopefully uh it's all good things but chris let's now move to some news and we'll start with the ohio state buckeyes men's basketball team uh beating upsetting the number three purdue boilermakers uh just a, just a few days ago 64 to 63 uh Bates D out with, with a with a go ahead putback with about two seconds left in the game. Uh, Chris, we, we've talked about the Buckeyes a couple times this season, um, and, and they certainly look to be the real deal. Um, how, how surprised are you that they are having this success uh, in, in the first season post Thad Mata? Uh,
1: pretty surprised to tell you the truth, because uh, you know Thad Mata didn't just have one average year; it was kind of a slowly kind of decline over the last two or three so I thought that this was going to take a a bit of an overhaul but man the Buckeyes have come in roaring they've only lost once in the Big Ten they've already beaten Michigan State now they've beaten Purdue on the road that is a huge resume building win the rest of their schedule looks manageable they get a rematch against Penn State they have to go to Michigan and Penn State Michigan ranked in the top 20 as well um, and then don't underestimate the season finale at Indiana. Indiana might not be what it was, but it's still a tough place to win in. But I, I think the Buckeyes have the resume of a, of a tournament team. If they take care of business, they maybe stumble once because road games are not easy in conference. But if they can win three or four of their last games, I think they'll be in the tournament. It's it's extremely exciting to see Ohio State kind of back and, and, and a lot of guys coming out of nowhere to have really strong seasons like, like Bates Diop.
0: Yeah, I mean, Bates Diop is entering, you know, Wooden Award contention. He's having such a great season, and, you know, he's been steadily improving over the course of his career, but I don't think anyone really anticipated this kind of breakout. Um, yeah, it, it's it's exciting to see, and I, I'm still very, very much surprised that um, Ohio State's putting together a season they have with, with some of those big wins um, and, and capping it off with this one against Purdue. Um, they they seem tournament bound for sure, um, and, and that that's that's awesome. That's really really exciting news uh, for Ohio State fans.
1: Yeah, I mean they they throttled Michigan State. They throttled Maryland, who's who's a solid team. I mean they they've had some big wins. Their 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 only losses are either to strong road team. You know, like Penn State winning losing on the road in conference that almost happens to everyone. I think Butler's their only like non ranked win, but. Their their other losses are all the big-ranked teams, so it's not like they have too many bad losses on their resume and they have some really big wins. I I just think they're having a a great season, and and it's exciting. I mean, when the rankings come out, assuming they take care of business against Iowa today, um, they'll probably be in the top 10 after their big win against Purdue.
0: Yeah, I think they would have to be, for sure. Well, Chris, uh, we did... Uh, do a little super bowl preview um, and we were both resoundingly uh, in favor of the pats winning that game uh, but it was the philadelphia eagles that came out on top uh, winning a, a shootout <laughs> over the M- new england patriots with i believe uh, total yardage eclipsed a thousand yards uh they were, they were there was very little defense uh save for a couple big plays um, chris just I you know, I, I'm I'm shocked a lot on this podcast, but I think this takes the cake, the the fact that the Eagles uh not only won, but Nick Foles, you know, shredded the New England Patriots uh throughout the course of that game in, in route to a Super Bowl championship. How how shocking is it that the Eagles uh rode this rode Nick Foles to it to a Super Bowl title?
1: I'm not surprised the Eagles won. I am stunned that the Eagles won a game where the combined score was 74 points. If you were to tell me that the two teams would combine for 74 points, I'd be like, oh, Patriots by two touchdowns. Because I did not see the Eagles offense being that unstoppable. They were fantastic. And it wasn't just Nick Foles. It was one of the best play-calling jobs I've ever seen in the playoffs, you know Doug Peterson deserves so much credit for that offense playing the way it did. They ate New England alive. They ran some creative and wonderfully executed plays that just caught New England off guard. You know Matt Patricia got completely outcoached. His defense looked lost. In his defense, Bill Belichick's decision not to play Malcolm Butler for who knows what was perplexing because I think that that would have swung the game. I mean, all you needed was one stop, and you win. And Malcolm Butler's one of the best corners in the game. So I don't know what happened there, but that certainly was a big factor. and, And lost in all this is the fact that Tom Brady threw for more than 500 yards, and his only bad play was that fumble at the end that clinched the game. I mean, he was amazing. Foles was fantastic too. I'm not taking anything away from the Eagles, but uh yeah, it, it, it it's stunning that the Eagles offense came alive and did what it did. I thought if they were gonna win, it was gonna be more of a 17-14, kind of the way the Giants beat the Patriots in 07 um kind of game. Uh but but kudos to the Eagles, kudos to the Eagles coaching staff because they they played fearless. Bob, they they went the, the play of the game was fourth and two. On their own, like thirty-five yard line or forty-yard line, and they went for it and got it. Um, I believe Ertz made the big catch. That that that, that's a stake your career call right there. Because you miss that, that's the game. Because you give Tom Brady forty-yard field there. I mean, they were scoring at will. The Patriots. It's just the Eagles were right there with them. It it was it was fantastic. And like I said, hats off to the Eagles. Fantastic play calling. Fantastic game. And Nick Foles uh, executed exceptionally well
0: yeah for sure i think doug peterson looked back at last year's super bowl uh even the the jacksonville game in the afc championship and saw that uh both those teams took a lead and then they stopped uh trying to be aggressive and doug peterson was like i'm going to do the exact opposite and uh if he missed on a number of those plays uh, a couple fourth down conversions uh and that that trick play uh where Foles catches the, the touchdown you know if just one of those backfired uh the eagles will have lost that game but that's what you have to do when you're going up against the dynasty that is the patriots so yes doug peterson i think more so than many other super bowl winning coaches deserves a a huge amount of credit because he coached the game of his life and and one of the best offensively coached games i've seen uh ever um conversely you know how many we have rarely seen bill Belichick make a mistake and Malcolm Butler not playing a single defensive snap the entire game is a huge mistake that that only lies on bill Belichick and bill Belichick alone um Butler played 98 percent of all defensive snaps during the regular season uh and by reports that the decision to bench him was not made until close to kickoff time uh in the super bowl i i, I it just that you know we've seen it just a couple times where belichick kind of over out coaches himself and, and this was definitely one of those moments and then the the stubbornness not to insert him when eric rowe clearly could not keep up with al and, and alshon jeffrey um just it, it was one of the few times where where uh um, Belichick was w- w- made a poor coaching decision, but um, more so I-, I am impressed with what Peterson and Foles did um, was uh, a-, a-, a shocking Super Bowl win.
1: I- 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 I'll just make two points about Malcolm Butler. First off, I agree with you right now. The only thing that will swing my opinion is if the actual reason legitimately comes out. We've heard rumors and stuff, but if the actual reason comes out and Malcolm Butler did something you know, bad off the field, and Bill Belichick benched him, then, then I would actually kind of tip my cap to him for, for, for having the guts to, to enforce that kind of discipline on the biggest stage. If that's the reason. I don't know what the reason is. Nobody does. I mean, there have been all sorts of guesses and stuff. The Patriots aren't going to say anything. But if that comes out, I actually would give Belichick a little bit of credit. Because a you need five Super Bowl rings to make that decision for one I understand that but but B more importantly I mean how many coaches would you know brush that under the rug and, and still let the guy play so yeah. I'm not saying that that is the reason but but I would understand it a little bit more if that if that reason comes out uh, but but I agree with everything you said it, it's perplexing he would have made the difference in the game and and yeah Bill Belichick should take the heat for it um, so so yeah that that's the only qualifier I want to put on Malcolm Butler but. Yeah, it, it's certainly a head scratcher.
0: Yeah, my, my only counter to that is w- why wait until virtual kickoff to, to to announce that he's not playing. If if it is off the field stuff, um, right. you know, give Eric Rowe and and the other I think they only had three cornerbacks other than Malcolm Butler dressed for this game. Give them time to prepare for, for the biggest game of their career. Um, that that is just all overall generally perplexing. I don't think we'll ever know exactly what happened. Um, but, uh, it just, it just seems it, it was very odd, uh, the, all, all that news coming out before and after the game and, and given the way that the Pats defense got shredded, um, you know, that's very easy to, to hone in on.
1: Yeah. It, it could have happened the night before. That's the only reason I can counter to your argument, but, but no, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I don't think we're ever going to know the reason I'm just saying, if that's the reason that came out, I would understand it a little bit more right now. I just don't understand it.
0: Yeah. Me neither. Well, um, Chris, Nick Foles' huge quarterback performance uh, is a backup, though, and, and Carson Wentz, who you know his his career is, is attached to the Browns, what was uh, highly drafted and, and sought after by the Eagles. They gave up a lot to draft him. Wentz is their quarterback of the future. Uh, how interested are you, if you're the Browns GM, in, in trading for Nick Foles in this offseason?
1: That's an interesting question. That's a tough question, too. Nick Foles has had one and a half amazing seasons. His 2013 season where he threw 25 touchdowns, two interceptions, completed 64% of his passes and looked great. And let's not forget the year before he completed 60% of his passes in seven games and and looked pretty good. Um, And then there was this second full year with Philadelphia where he looked lost. His time with St. Louis where he looked lost. And times during this year where he looked lost. And then things kind of clicked during the NFC Championship game. So, which Nick Foles am I getting? Am I getting the Nick Foles from 2013, the NFC Championship game, and the Super Bowl? Because I'll pay a premium for that. But if I'm getting the Nick Foles that looked lost for most of his career, I don't want him. Because he's been an average quarterback until this run. And, and that, that that's just a fact. You know, the numbers... For Nick Foles, there's a reason he was a backup going into this year. Now we've seen a lot of times, sometimes it just takes a while for the for the light to go on. Kurt Warner is the textbook example of this. You know, he had to go to the arena football league to get back to the NFL. And then he kind of did what Nick Foles did to a, a larger extent. He did win MVP that year. But the point I'm making here is if Nick Foles has broken through and is gonna be this quarterback definitely go out and get him because he can lead a franchise. And he's shown multiple times that he has that talent. Um, but but I just need to know if this is the Nick Foles that I'm getting and, and, and if Hugh Jackson's the coach that can bring that Nick Foles out uh, with the Browns.
0: Yeah, that that last sentence is the, the key for me. Um, Nick, Foles, <laughs> Nick Foles seems to be a guy that, if coached well and surrounded by talent, um, can be a, a Super Bowl MVP coach quarterback um but on the browns with uh you know i i just i i doubt what the browns would be able to do with him Uh, i i don't think he is a generational talent or singular talent that would succeed in on any team in any situation as we have seen you know he he's gone to to st louis and kansas city and was very disappointing you know he dropped off the map in, in 2014 in philadelphia I don't know uh, if there was a coaching change in between the seasons there. Um, but, you know, he's had a, a wild ride, and I think that comes back to, you know, he has the talent as we as is was wildly obvious in this postseason run, but he also, you know, can can look lost at times, and that all comes back to coaching. You know, we, we saw that Doug Peterson is a heck of a coach and a great coach um, and enabled Nick Foles to succeed. I, I i just doubt that the browns given what i've seen uh w- would be able to to bring the same out of him so no i i would not um if the price is is low like less than a third round draft pick which i see unlikely yeah why not just take a swing at that but um if, if we're talking about like second round pick first round pick uh absolutely not uh let's let's get a guy that you know despite all the ineptitudes of the Browns, can still succeed. I don't think Nick Foles is that guy.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to be the next quarterback to get moved after Kirk Cousins signs. I think Kirk Cousins is going to hold up the market. And then you know there are some guys who might need a quarterback, Denver, Arizona. um, Those those two teams are definitely going to bid for him. Um, And then depending on what Minnesota does with its situation, could be a player too. Um, So there's competition there. I do think Nick Foles will be traded because Carson Wentz is the future. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz could have, maybe even should have won MVP this year. All due respect to Tom Brady, but um, so so Nick Foles' price is never going to be higher, and and I don't think you're going to get him for anything less than a second-round pick. The Eagles are probably going to trade him, and uh, I mean, if I'm the Browns and I don't get Kirk Cousins, you, you got to at least try to get Nick Foles because even if he doesn't work out, he's better than what you got. And you need to improve the position somehow, assuming that they that unless they want to just go and draft their guy, if it's cousins cousins or draft their guy. But, um, yeah, you you at least got to kick the tires and see what see what the price is. But I would imagine it'll be at least a second round pick.
0: Yeah, I, I I mean I'm not the GM. They they should do their due diligence to find out what what the asking price is. But, um, I think that he is probably gonna be overvalued at, at this point um it, coming to the browns i think if he goes to um you know, well arizona or denver the, they just have a culture that is better than the browns and, and might support him better and they have better talent around him so um but you, you mentioned kirk cousins you know the kansas city chiefs traded alex smith to the washington redskins and renegotiated a deal for a third round draft pick uh and um fuller a a cornerback um that sets up kirk cousins to hit the open market unless they they put a tag on him again and and want to trade him um you know i have been very much preaching that the Browns should go all in on kirk cousins it it seems to be coming to fruition the possibility that they can make a play at him um what what are your thoughts that that kirk cousins will be available this offseason either via trade or free agency
1: I think he will be available this offseason. You don't trade what they traded to get Alex Smith to, to just also overpay for Kirk cousins. Um, so whatever they do a uh, franchise tag or trade, uh, the Kirk cousins, I don't think will be on Washington next year. And I think the Browns are going to be one of the biggest, uh, players on that front because they have so much cap space that they can pay him basically what he wants and still have a ton of cap space left over. And they have a lot of young guys on their rookie deals who won't be up for big raises for the next two or three years. So it will not hurt the Browns as much as it will other teams. They won't have the same cap issues that some of these other teams will have. I think the Browns are... Probably the favorites from a asset standpoint to land Kirk Cousins. Now, from an attractability standpoint, if you're talking about recruiting Kirk Cousins, that's a different thing. I think there's a better chance if the Browns can trade for him, though I don't want that to happen, and I don't think Washington's going to franchise tag him because I do think they'll lose leverage because then teams will say, you're going to get stuck with him if you don't trade him by July. And you don't want to eat that cap bill. So so I don't know how much leverage Washington has in tagging Kirk Cousins because that's a huge pill to swallow. And, and everyone would know Washington wouldn't want to swallow it. So I think he will be a free agent. I think the Browns can offer him whatever he wants. It's just a matter of whether or not he's willing to, you know, come to Cleveland and play for a team that's only won one game in two seasons.
0: Yeah, uh, that that's a, a hard a hard offer. Um I agree the 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 Browns, if they want Kirk Cousins, they can get him. that they either via trade, they have the draft assets or via free agency. They have the money Um, free agency adds that element, as you alluded to, of of Cousins wanting to come to Cleveland. But uh, if they add him, they can make a very attractive sell. I mean, first off, they could offer more money than anyone else, offer the exact amount of exact contract that cousins desires, um, and then sell cousins on what they're building and doing. And, you know, if the Browns can't, can't sell what, what they're doing, then, uh, I don't think they, they know what they're doing. <laughs> um, but I mean, they have the, if, if, if you take quarterback off the table and then you have two top four, two of the first four picks that you can spend on skill players. And, and that should be wildly attractive to, uh, a, a quarterback coming to a team you'd have a you know you, you could overhaul your roster overnight and, and the the Browns even if they pay Kirk Cousins 30 million dollars a year they would still have 70 million dollars of cap space this season to spend on vets and they they could seriously just be a, a brand new team overnight um if they get Kirk Cousins so I think yeah they should take a hard look at him I'm not too hot on, on making a trade for him just because uh i think the asking price would be pretty high but uh if he's on free agency i think this is this is my ideal scenario is that they sign kirk cousins and then that frees up all their draft picks to spend on skilled players and, and they're just a, a brand new team in, in 2018
1: and all their cap space i mean they could go out and get some big players that, and and yeah, if the, if the Browns land Kirk Cousins in free agency, boy, that is a transformational move. you got the picks one and four. You got all this calf space. They could just completely swap overnight and become a team that's actually pretty attractive, at least on paper. Um, I, 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 I'm going to stand by this. I, I think if, the, if Washington tags Kirk Cousins, they're not going to get as much as they think because everyone in the league knows that they do not want to eat that salary. I don't think they will have as much leverage um, to 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 do a deal as people think, and so I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but but that's just my gut feeling. Um, I, I think they're just going to let Kirk Cousins walk, and I think if the Browns can swing it and the Browns can can get him, that could potentially turn this franchise around overnight. Yeah, it like like I said, it's that's my ideal uh scenario so bob when are we going to talk about baseball on this podcast i mean pitchers and catchers are coming up and (laughs) nothing's happening
0: yeah i mean there's so many unsigned free agents that they are going to have a spring training on their own it's kind of like they're going to go to florida and and practice together um it's it's really puzzling and uh concerning that that there's so many unsigned players and big names like uh you Darvish is unsigned right I don't believe he's signed yeah i mean we're JD Martinez i, I think is another one we're we're waiting yeah. on stars <laughs> and they don't have a contract
1: it's crazy man so uh, do you buy into this whole players going to strike thing over this cuz the players are not happy and there's been rumblings about the players striking accusing ownership of kind of collusion and things like that i mean yeah
0: i i i think they should like this is not this is not fair <laughs> that the, they need i mean we are a month and a half away from from baseball right i mean i mean we yeah i i think they should take a hard look at striking i i think that there's obviously if if not collusion then i i find it hard to believe that all 30 teams are in on not offering you darvish or jd martinez a a, a reasonable
1: contract well if you don't believe that And not that I've been planning this segue for a while, but I'm reading a book called The Game, Inside the Secret World of Major League Baseball. It was a Christmas gift from my aunt and uncle. Thank you very much, by the way. Excellent read by John Pesea. I hope I said that name right. It has been eye-opening what's gone on behind the scenes with ownership. And if you don't believe collusion is possible, I highly recommend you read that because... They've done some pretty shady things in the past, including colluding against free agents in the 80s. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's it's an interesting free agency. And I, I am just – I cannot believe that nobody's moving at all. The only big moves have been trades, really. And I, I'm just starting to wonder if something's going on behind the scenes. I mean, baseball hasn't had a labor stoppage in forever, and it's been relatively peaceful, But but before – the 90s, uh, things were ugly. That last lockout of 94 that cost the World Series was just one in a series of work stoppages. Um, it's only recently that ownership and the union have gotten on the same page and managed to avoid work stoppages regularly. So uh, I, I, I am deep down a little bit worried that something, something bad is brewing behind the scenes here. It
0: certainly seems like, like that. Um, yeah, uh, very very puzzling to me. But hopefully the I hope the Indians aren't colluding, but uh, maybe they can take advantage of of these long waits. They they have done so in the past uh, and get and gotten some uh, key contributors on relatively cheaper than expected deals. So um, maybe it'll benefit them.
1: That would certainly be nice, but uh, we'll have to wait a couple weeks to see if uh, the hot stove starts uh, you know, heating up or, or turning on at all. Uh, we'll also have to wait a couple weeks to see if the Cavs gel as a new team. Hopefully, the answer to that is yes. A lot of big questions. We're going to have another jam-packed podcast for you because, as Bob said earlier, he's traveling, so we're going to take next week off. We do apologize that we're only doing two this month, but we will be back uh, the week of the 26th, I believe that Monday is. And so we'll have another podcast then. Big recap, NFL Combine, all that fun stuff. March Madness right around the corner. So a lot of good things to look forward to. But until then, you can check out all our old episodes of Clee Talk on FinleyRoadSports.com. Please subscribe to our podcast via iTunes. You can click on the icon on FindlayRoadSports.com to get there. Or search Finley Road Sports in iTunes and click Clee Talk. It's just that simple we thank you for your support we hope you come back next time listen to another episode of cleat talk where we talk about all the best cleveland sports in the area for as long as we can and hopefully we're talking about good things because uh i would really like to see the Cavs gel so until then go Cavs, and hopefully that hot stove gets movement come on guys sign some free agents
0: <laughs> all right i'll see you chris
1: take it easy bob